are tuned in to CFCR 90.5 FM, it's time for the nerdy news. In studio, you've got Jody and Dave. Hello. And you will hear from Hank and Craig and Brennan a little later. Hank and Craig are talking about uh, The Idol. Long story short, don't watch it. Hi, Jack. And they're going to talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Oh, that's okay. That's some good... Some good content. Yeah, some good variety. We're going to talk about comics. Straight comics. Because straight comics. So DC's doing a new event. It's the Night Terrors. It's kind of like when they wrapped up the last run of Rebirth, and then they didn't really have anything until the new comics started, so they did Convergence, and it felt really tacked on. I think this might be the same thing. Okay. But... Um, they started it last week. A whole bunch of stuff came out this week. I've bought it all. I haven't read it any any of it yet because I'm not super excited about it. I got to be honest. Well, next week. So next week we will report on Night Terrors once we've had an opportunity to digest a bunch of it. I was so excited about a bunch of stuff that's come out that it just has to wait. So yeah, we've got. I think four really of, yeah. good comics to talk about today. So we'll talk about a couple. We'll throw it over to the fellas, and then we'll uh, talk about the, the the rest at the end. The first one that I want to talk about, I've been looking forward to for a long time. This is Barnstormers, A Ballad of Love and Murder. It is the brainchild of Tula Lote and Scott Snyder. Now, usually on comics, the billing is writer artist but on this one they've gone artist writer they're co-creators so they've come up with the story but scott's actually done like the writing part and tula lote's art is stunning i love her stuff i buy everything she puts out for the last couple of years she's mostly been doing covers uh, but sure her, her artwork is just so stunning I, I i love it the comic looks like a series of covers sometimes it, it does like the spreads are gorgeous every panel is like a painting it's really really beautiful so the story is, for those who don't know, a barnstormer is a form of entertainment popular for a brief period in the 1920s wherein wayward pilots would impress spectators with dangerous feats of daring. Yeah, see, I thought maybe this comic was going to be about basketball, because that, <laughs> that was where I'd heard the term barnstorming before, because previous to the NBA, a lot of the professional basketball players played in these leagues called barnstorming leagues. Where, you know, they would literally set up a basketball court in a barn somewhere and just get, like, a salary for one game. And people would come out and pay to watch them play. Well, th this is just the first issue, so I guess it's possible. I think, I think we're dealing with a different kind of barnstormer here. I, I think we are. This is somebody who does uh, tricks in a biplane. Yes. So the the hero of our story goes by Hawk E. Barron, but that's not his real name. His real name's Bixby, and he's a bit of a down-and-outer. He's trying to crank out a living doing these tricks, but sometimes he'll only make a buck fifty from the crowd and giving rides and whatnot. So he's really trying to make things work. And he literally crashes a wedding. Yeah. He crashes the wedding of Peyton Carlisle and Tilly Murphy. And then all hell breaks loose. Yeah, it turns into kind of a love triangle, a little bit of a silly one. So because you like this, I'm assuming that you feel like Barnstormers knows that it's silly. Yes. Okay, I'm, gl I'm glad to hear that. Because it, it, it is quite silly. In its kind of old-timey yeah. way, and in its, like, 
you know, I'm crashing a plane into a wedding, but it turns out maybe not everybody wanted this wedding to happen in the first place. And That's it's, right. Yeah, kind of crazy. And you have Zeke, who works for the Pinkertons. Yeah, these yeah, comics got Pinkertons in it. He's been hired to to find the wayward bride. So yeah, it's it's got like a lot of humor, but it is beautiful. Yeah, the headline here is the artwork. She's got this Brando esque leading man. Uh, and she obviously loves drawing him because yeah. she draws him doing a lot of stuff in this comic yeah. and it all looks really good. It's so good. So I just, I can't wait for more of this to come out and you should definitely pick this up if you have not done so already. Okay. Let's talk about one that is bonkers, a little bit different. Um, so this is the work of Shaky Kane. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago because he was part of a little anthology that we poo-pooed. Uh, all the other three parts of it were kind of crummy except for his. Uh, but this is fun. So this is written by Jordan Thomas, and it is Shaky Kane. Uh, I'll read you the, the synopsis on the back because I think it kind of really tells you what this is all about. Cops, cults. Cooks and corruption, it's weird work, but somebody's got to do it. It's 18 months since Lady Haste, the head crime in Stellar City, was locked up, creating bloody mayhem on the streets. Things have started to get back to normal. Well, as normal as is possible in Septimus Prime's capital. That is, until a washed-up detective over sauce is woken up by a phone call. Three dead bodies found in a warehouse on the wrong side of town. A crooked cult leader, a tech billionaire's right-hand woman, and Ovra's corrupt partner. Things just got weird. And you would never think from that paragraph that all everybody in this comic would be drawn as some sort of animal or creature. Yeah, or alien, or just... It's just wacky. It's really strange. Is it's it, very it, shaky cane. Is it trying to look like Saga? No, okay. no, it's trying to just be shaky cane. He, okay. he always just has bonkers. Finds weird. a crazy way to draw stuff. And, yeah, and okay. colorful, like like nauseatingly colorful, yeah, which the... which is usual for him. Okay. So weird work. I think it's going to be fun. You might want to get in on the ground floor on this one. Okay, well, let's throw things over now to Hank and Craig uh, and their take on those shows that I mentioned earlier, and then we'll hear from Brennan, and then we will talk about a couple more books, one bonkers, and then the new Jeff Lemire offering, Fish Flies. So take it away, fellas. Hey, everybody. It's Craig Siliphant on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM, and I am joined by my friend, Hank Cruz. Hank Cruz. Cruz, Hank Cruz, all the ladies like him. Hank Cruz, his wife stands above his woman. Chef. Oh, sorry. Uh, okay, so uh, what have you been watching? You know what? Let's re-record that later. I want to use that as a little. Maybe do that on Punch TV every time I show up. I get a little theme song just for yeah, me. Exactly. Let's oh, do like it. it. Theme song. Mm. So, what have you been watching? What's going on? Oh, what have I been watching? Okay, um, let's uh, let's get into this hard right here. Now, uh, last week, because we talked about indie, I didn't have a chance to talk about uh, the final episode of The Idol, which was uh, the uh, much-talked-about show on uh, HBO. So, before you say anything about this, uh -huh. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, and I've good. Seen, I've seen a lot of reviews for it, mm -hmm. and it didn't get great reviews. And it was, But they were also, a lot of the reviews mentioned Euphoria, and uh -huh. being like, it's the same kind of garbage as Euphoria. And I think it's made by the same. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah but you and I love Euphoria. But I love Euphoria. <laughs> yeah. So I was yeah. like, uh, how does this translate? So I'm interested to, to hear. 
what yeah, like don't what you're gonna say to euphoria it. just because it's got like the, no um so the first four out of five episodes were tolerable where there were parts in there that i'm like i could see them doing something good with it but they didn't um the fifth episode although something on the internet is out there where it's saying they were supposed to have six but because they realized their show sucks they didn't want to spend any more money because they'd already lost so much money on switching showrunners and all this whole thing um episode five um was the worst thing they could have done uh, it, it does it doesn't make any sense um the time jump uh like ahead um and then at the end there's a big twist that you know if you are going to watch i won't say what it is but um no um it's not a twist it's a something that never happened and you're like well this doesn't make any sense so they just threw it in at the end to go uh okay this is horrible so if if people if you are listening to us right now and you have not started watching the idol don't just don't do yourself a favor um everyone's oh johnny depp's daughter and she's being crazy and naked all the time and there's all these crazy scenes where it's all like yeah you can see that on the internet like just don't don't waste your time like it is just uh, it's very poorly written um acting wise they did what they could uh the weekend um should never be an actor no offense to the weekend but uh actually offense to the weekend he shouldn't have put himself on the show it was his idea. He got in there and doing a bunch of stuff. But no, and uh, Johnny Depp's daughter there, and I feel really bad by saying Johnny Depp's daughter because I completely forget what her name is right now. But she did very well with what she had to work with. But uh, no, the show itself, um, I, there's no way they would green light that for a second season. Yeah, it's a piece of garbage. Just don't, just don't. Okay, so you're telling me, avoid it. Just don't watch it. Just don't watch it. And no, it is nothing like, it, it, it's not even the same vibe as you feel like, no. Euphoria, great. This show, no. No. So right. Indris Elba, you know him? I really love Lily, him. Lily Rose Depp is John. Yeah, Depp's Lily daughter. Rose. There we go. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Indris Elba. Yes. I, yeah. I so I, new, he's a, new he's a man. All right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah he's dreamy. New show on Apple called Hijack. So instead of making a uh, hour and a half or a two hour movie about a plane hijacking, they decided to make a, a limited series about it. Right. So I've watched uh, now the first uh, three episodes. My daughter and I are watching it. And you know what? I think they did a good job uh, deciding to make this a limited series because you get into it a little bit more um, than you would in a movie. Because like in the movie, it's, it'd just be tense the whole time. And, oh, and the movie's over. We're here. They're doing some character development and stuff. But uh, the main thing is he's a negotiator who goes into these high stakes uh, things for huge corporations. So they fly him around the world to be a mediator and a negotiator or whatever. And then he ends up hopping on this plane to go back to see his wife or soon to be ex-wife who is now dating somebody else. And he's going to, I think it's like, I'm going to try to save the family. And so he gets on this plane and then he realizes it's like, oh crap. So the plane gets hijacked and uh, that's where I'll leave it. Cause the rest is hundred percent spoilers. But if you like uh, some uh, Idris Elba, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. He's on a plane. So like watch it. So that's uh, really Jack Ryan. Uh, the final season is up right now. Uh, that one uh, is quite intriguing and they're doing a very good job. Uh, so I won't go into that, but uh, watch it. And I know that we have time to talk about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, right, Craig? Even yes. watching that. Yes, I've watched uh, three episodes now at the time that we've recorded this. I have to say, I mean, I still like the show and everything. A little bit of context, and I think you'd probably agree with me, is, you know, we both watch a lot of Star Trek, but I think this was the most fun show 
in many years, probably since Next Generation, because it just harkens back to a lot of the fun of the original series and the look of it and and just these sort of, you know, fun one-off adventures as opposed to necessarily getting too bogged down in uh, ongoing storylines. There are ongoing storylines, but, uh, you know, they, they do a lot more of sort of just a fun episode of the week. Now, I feel there's been a shift as we are three episodes into season two. The first episode, I'm trying to remember what it was even about. I, I feel like it wasn't that great. The first uh, episode was them trying to get the crew back together because uh, Rebecca Romaine's character was uh, put in jail or whatever. Right. Then they had to get her back. Oh, right. And he's not even like Anson Mount wasn't even hard, was hardly in that yeah. episode even. Correct. Uh, yeah. So then episode two is like a trial. And now Star Trek has done very well with trial episodes, especially like Measure of a Man from uh, Next Generation, where oh, Data yeah. is put on trial as to whether he can sort of decide things for himself or not because he's an android. You know, I thought it was a, a good episode, but again, maybe maybe that would have been better a little further into the season. Obviously, they had to deal with the ramifications of what's going on with number one there. But like it, you, you're expecting these like really fun episodes where they do all this stuff. And then it's like, here's a courtroom episode. And then the third episode, <laughs> they go back in time to I, I guess I didn't even really catch when that was, but it's like around now, I think. And Again, like you got to be very careful with those episodes. They're fun when you do them sometimes. Voyage Home's a great movie, but it basically was like similar to those things. And I think the more of the time travel stuff you do, the less special it becomes. So I haven't, you know, I enjoyed the episode, I guess, but like it, it's, it's. So they, they feel like I think every Star Trek uh, series has to do a time travel at least uh, once every season or two. And you're like, okay, so now we can check that box. But the first season was amazing. And I assumed that we would be going to watch episodes where they're exploring strange new worlds. Yeah. When do we get to those? Because we have yet to explore or do anything. The third episode, they uh, go back uh, to Toronto, which I think is set more into our future, yet they're still using our current currency. Yeah. Which when they're showing the money, they're like, it's filmed in Toronto. We know you're there. You know, a lot of Canadians are watching it. So like put different money or do, you know what I mean? Or like just whatever. But Pike uh, wasn't in this one either. Right. Hardly. Yeah. Cause it's Jim Kirk uh, and uh, what's her name? The, yeah, the security uh, officer. Um, but so like, where's the rest of like, are they getting uh, like a budget uh, cut where it's like, Oh, well we can't have anybody in the, in the rest of the crew in the show, but it yeah. was rather, rather yeah, like all I want to see is captain Pike and yes. enterprise getting attacked by a giant space amoeba or yes. stopping at some Exploring planet to do whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. I need to see Pike because I imagine that I'm him with that majestic like head of like green and silver <laughs> hair. Like it defies that's gravity. And I'm like looking at this uh, new Kirk guy running around Toronto and I'm like, no, no, no. Like yeah. that's and not I, so I'm not even sold on that guy playing Kirk either. No, like, no, okay, I don't like him either. I think Chris Pine, Chris Pine was a much better like William Shatner. Uh, and they're throwing in like like Romulans were uh, back on Earth and whenever and trying like I just like get oh, back to I, the strange new world. Can I say too, Carol Kane, who I normally love, is driving me crazy on this show. So annoying. I hate her. I can't stand her. She's yeah. so annoying. And they every excuse they can to throw her in, they use it. But it yeah, it just does not work for me. It no. you know normally so I love I her, but. That next time we talk about it, the rest of the episodes are uh, exploring strange new worlds with the crew that we have come to like. And yeah, less of her because I, I can't take it. I can't. Yeah, she's no good. So 
I think that's our time for today. So uh, we're going to throw back to Jody here, but we'll see. We'll see where Strange New Worlds goes and we'll we'll see you all yeah. next week. Live long and prosper. Woo. Hello, Punch listeners. It is Brennan here once again with some more details, some more information to entertain and to hopefully help change your life. That's right. That's what we're here to do. We are here to make your life better. And today I am going to be talking about a picture. That's right. A picture came out on the internet and has a lot of people in comic fandom talking a lot. So I am going to throw my hat in the ring and do my very quick discussion of the Deadpool 3 picture. That's right. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, and this one is probably worth about 20 trillion. A few days ago, a picture from Deadpool 3 dropped that, of course, has Ryan Reynolds in his Deadpool outfit. But next to him is Hugh Jackman wearing, that's right, the yellow and blue Wolverine colors. We see the first official Wolverine outfit, and he went with the yellow and blue. Keep in mind, this is an outfit that they actually poked fun of in the first X-Men movie when Hugh Jackman played Wolverine. And uh, there's that line where Cyclops makes some comment, well, what do you think we should wear? Yellow and, you know, yellow spandex. So it's really cool they went this direction. Now, keep in mind, his outfit looks just like the Deadpool outfit as far as, like, the texture of the material, um, only it has the Wolverine colors. Now, his arms are covered, which is interesting because we don't usually see that. But Kevin Smith made a comment on his podcast that they'll probably have a scene where he, like, goes berserk and, like, rips his sleeves off or something. Further to the point, Hugh Jackman is going to have to be in awesome shape for this movie. So, obviously, they want to show off muscles when they can, so I'm pretty sure the sleeves will come off. There is a lot of news about this movie coming out in a short period of time. There are a ton of people that have already done YouTube videos about it and articles about it and way more depth than I'm going to go into it. But I wanted to just comment on the things that I found were interesting. More casting news is coming out, including... Dun, da, 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 that's my theme song for the day. I hope you liked it. Patrick Stewart. Obviously, he'll come back as Professor X. Famke Jansen. Halle Berry. Jennifer Garner has been already officially cast as Elektra. All right? They are bringing back characters from the Marvel Universe that weren't there, you know, because of all the uh, Fox and, and all that type of thing. They're now bringing those characters over. Halle Berry, she hasn't been officially confirmed as who she's playing, but it would stand to reason it would be Storm. Famke Jansen, same thing, not officially said, but very good ch chance is going to be Jean Grey. There are a lot of rumors about other cameos as well. Owen Wilson as of right now, officially cast as Mobius M. Mobius. And interesting, when I did a quick check, Tom Hiddleston is coming back as Loki. So now we have this whole multiverse that could be played with and different timelines and things. There's a lot of speculation on what the new movie is going to be about, just based on the fact that Wolverine has his uh, yellow and blue outfit on. Um, some people are nodding that maybe the X-Men will show up as the animated series X-Men in whichever movie that was, I forget which one now, where they did the multiverse thing and uh, with Doctor Strange and then you know Patrick Stewart showed up in the animated series wheelchair, right? So will they do something like that? Um, some people are saying this might be the introduction of Onslaught. There are so many fan theories out there already 
just because of a picture and some casting news, which isn't even done yet. The release date has been pushed up to May, ooh, I forget, May 30th, I think, of next year, or May 6th. I'll look it up, it's on the internet. It got pushed up seven months um, because they really want to get this going. And I'm guessing they're gonna try to tie it into Loki more, which kind of plays into the whole time travel idea. Because of the writer's strike, technically Ryan Reynolds is not allowed to do any kind of improvisation because that counts as writing. So, you know, and improv is part of Deadpool's character, right? He talks a lot, that type of thing. The nice thing is, because his mouth is covered by a mask a lot, they're going to shoot the script they have, and then they can always go in when the writer's strike is done and do ADR afterwards. Uh, because you never actually see his lips really moving, it'd be easier to throw in some more dialogue and that type of thing. So there we go. One picture, and already the internet is exploding with fan theories. Ryan Reynolds seems to be doing a really good job of listening to what the fans want, and hopefully when this comes out, he can deliver. Because after all this hype, oh man, this movie better be awesome. Because if it's not, there'll be a lot of upset comic book people out there. Just saying. Ryan Reynolds, though, I believe in you. You got this. And this is Brennan saying, I'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon. All right. Something to think about. So, let's talk about Pink Elephant. Oh, boy. Yeah, this one is super creepy. If you like horror comics with, like, a weird slant on them, you will love Pink Elephant. It, it has a weird color palette, very much like Weird Work, which we just talked about. This is the work of Amelia and Emiliano Pliskin, and uh, art by Benson Chin. And it's from the Sumerian Publishers House, which we've talked about before. It's like, they just do really crazy stuff. And their size is just a slightly smaller size than most comics. It's the same width, so it fits nicely in a comic sleeve. So thank you for that, Sumerian, so it doesn't like mess up your short box. But um, it's a little shorter. This one is about, it's kind of almost like a stereotypical horror where you've got like a group of kids who are on a little road trip. They're going up to this guy's cabin. They stop at a weird gas station and that's when things start to kind of go sideways. And if that plot sounds familiar, it's probably because it's exactly the way the Rob Zombie movie, uh, can't remember if it's House of a Thousand Corpses or The Devil's Own, but one of those two movies is... Like, the beginning of it is exactly what you get at the beginning of this comic. So I, I found that a little irritating. Okay. And and just kind of, like, I don't a little bit... The, the four kids stopping at the haunted yeah. gas station thing just seemed like... I don't know. Maybe I was being a snob about this one, and I should have just tried to have more fun with it. But I thought it was kind of dumb. It is kind of dumb, but it's also kind of fun. Okay. And it is to be continued. So let's give it a shot. Let's carry it over to the next issue and see if it redeems itself. I mean, the characters are doing something on the last couple of panels of this comic that promise that like things are going to take a turn. They are definitely taking a so turn. So if you want to read it and find out what that is... Uh, pink elephant. Pink elephant. Yeah, very cool. All right, so so excited. This just came out on Wednesday from Image Comics, Jeff Lemire's Fish Flies. Now, he did a sneak peek of this for Free Comic Book Day, and we talked about it then, and it is super creepy. It's got his 
you know, kind of messy style, which I like. His color palette is generally black, gray, little bit of blues. And then every once in a while, he throws in a splash of red, which just pops off the page. It's very cool. Yeah, this is a comic that's partly about an insect infestation. Kind of reminded me of like the tent caterpillar thing we had in Saskatchewan in the 1980s, I guess that was. Totally. Uh, where like these things were literally everywhere for one summer. But they're for real. Like fish flies, like every year. Okay, I wasn't year. sure about that. No, it is like totally legit. Northern Ontario, they like have an infestation for a couple of weeks. They cover everything and then they die. And so then there's all these like disgusting corpses of these dead insects everywhere. Uh, and yeah, so he actually talks at length at the, at the back end of the story of like what his inspiration was for like creating this story and then kind of how it got put on hold while he was making Essex County. But while he was making Essex County, uh, the production of it, uh, they were in Northern Ontario and uh, there were all these disgusting bugs again. And he was like, okay, that's a sign. I need to get back on track. I need to finish this and, and make it. So no, it's for real. They're for real. So it's, yeah, it's about these bugs and a crime gone wrong and maybe a friendship, an unlikely friendship. Um, we'll see where that one goes as this one comes out. It's a very lengthy book. It's like 64 pages. So yeah, issue getting... one issue one does a lot. And it's going to be meaty. Every issue that comes out is going to be a big one like this, and they're only going to come out every other month. I noticed that the next one is due out in September. Yeah. So I'll probably have to read this one again before then. Definitely. Because I, I think I want to follow this. Oh, it's great. I, I really, really like it. I like the feel of it, the tone, the color, the art, all of it. I I, I love it. I love. I want to see where this goes for sure. I'm a fan of Jeff Lemire, so I am totally biased, but I really, really enjoyed this. And I dug it when it was uh, just the little snippet that we got at Free Comic Book Day. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, kind of gross, but there's a good story there, too. There is. And, yeah, it does give me flashbacks to when I was a kid and having to, like walk on the sidewalk and it being all slimy and crunchy when you had to step on the tent caterpillars yeah actually like other people might relate that to like locust swarms or we've had like grasshopper seasons mm -hmm. that were crazy like that but it, it was the tent caterpillars back in the 80s where you you actually to get where you were going just sometimes had to like kill hundreds of creatures just because yeah. they, they were covering everything yeah highways were green with their blood all right, well, that wraps up our show for another week. You know where to find us here every Friday at 6 o'clock on CFCR. And in the meantime, keep your dukes up. Uh -huh.